Alrighty, Ruth. So here we are. I'm Anne. And I'm Dee. And we are from La Petite Mort, a podcast that talks about all things taboo from sex to death and everything in between. And today we have a wonderful, wonderful guest. We have Melissa, who is the mod mortician, with us here today. Say hi. Hello. How are you? Great. <laughs> Great. We're so stoked to have you. So, yeah. So we basically start off each of our. Um, episodes here with harassing our guests a little bit um, and asking them a question. So, Dee, take her away. So, from a very stuffy, super religious funeral all the way to a rave-like celebration of life, how would you describe your work in the death care industry? Um, My work in the death care industry kind of, okay, so like, if you were in a haunted house or a theme park or something for Halloween and you go into the dark dark room and they guide your hand into different bowls where you're supposed to guess what it is like maybe spaghetti for worms peeled grapes for eyeballs that's what it's like working in death care for me because I never know what what I'm going to get my hands into that's That's a good way to put it that is a Um, fantastic way to describe it that's amazing I love that that's awesome that is fantastic and then I would say on your way exiting um the you know little haunted house or whatever you've got you know people with crucifix chasing you and people with like embalming fluid chasing you (laughs) (laughs) and you're running for your life (laughs) yes freedom (laughs) high stress basically yes (laughs) yes okay wow that's That's really interesting thanks for that that's probably one of the most creative answers i think i think that's the most creative answer we've got thank you for for that was thought through that was and um yeah so we're gonna let you tell us a little bit about yourself just to start off so you your instagram is mod mortician tell us a little bit about who you are what you do all that good stuff your platform all your cool stuff um, right before my senior year in high school, there was a local funeral home hiring for the summer and they were on the news along with some other businesses that were looking for summer help. And my mom from the kitchen very snarkily said, Oh, you should work for the funeral home this summer. And I turned to her and said, I will. And I got the job. <laughs> That's, cool. That's great. <laughs> and so that was my first dip into death care. Um, so that was back in 1996, and so it's been a while. I've been in death care on and off, but more predominantly in the last 15 years. Um, I have my dual license, which means I'm licensed to be a funeral director and an embalmer. I don't currently practice embalming, although I do work for a facility that provides it. I've managed to stay front of house as much as possible, <laughs> and I do use like some of my my tips and tricks in the back when needed um but we have an excellent embalmer back there anyway so i don't have to go back and do the things that i don't find pleasing you know as often as i may have to at another firm um but yeah i have been an educator and advocate for more greener alternatives in death care for the last 10 years um you know which has been a challenge when i was living in texas uh the good old boy network was very unhappy with the education I was putting out. Um, But now I've moved to a state where water cremation, natural organic reduction, 
um, and all the more progressive things are legal. So uh, took a little bit of pressure off me, but left the pressure behind on the other Texans to handle that. Um, but yeah, I've had a really popular Instagram, and I try to just educate people on their options. And five years ago, um, a little Border Collie mix joined me, and he's my certified therapy dog, and he works with me with family. That's so cool. So that's us in a nutshell. Oh, I love that. What's his name? Kermit the dog. Kermit the dog. Kermit the that. dog. That's awesome. He's what is, so freaking cute, What is too. Kermit's role with families? Like, what does he provide for families? Well, everybody, well, almost everybody that's a good soul uh, <laughs> kind of dies with dogs. <laughs> yes. Um, he's with me on the removals, like, pre-pandemic, when I would go to a nursing home or a hospital, he would accompany me, and he'd stay in the nursing station with the staff, um, and kind of console them, or, you know, be a, be a thing to focus on for them when I'm dealing, you know, with the decedent. If the family's present, I'll usually let them know that I have a therapy dog that can come in with me if they'd like, but he mostly sees people now, um, at their funeral services. Um, so when families arrange funeral services here at the funeral home, we have, um, a sign in the lobby that says we have a certified therapy dog on staff, um, at request, you know, just ask. And since we, we've got a three story building, so we have the basement, the ground level, and then the upstairs where the offices are. So he'll typically be up here unless the family asks for him or unless I walk downstairs and through the room, then he's tailing right behind me. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people will see him in passing and be like, Oh, what about the dog? Or they'll see the sign. Yeah. So he's doing a lot of funerals right now. So he's busy boy. And keep in the back. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's probably so good for you and the other staff too, right? Just your mental health Absolutely. and just dogs are such a good, yeah, distraction, support. It's awesome. They make your heart feel full. Yeah. yeah. They, they fill a room with love. <laughs> it's so beautiful. And it's stinking cute. Like I've been, was like going through the, your Instagram for the past week and I'm just like, Kermit. Like, so, so cute. cute. <laughs> the most adorable. Oh, I'm in love with your dog. Um, okay, so speaking of your Instagram platform and whatnot, you had a really um, interesting post the other day about natural organic reduction. Can you explain that process a little bit and what that is? Yeah, natural organic reduction is the scientific and palatable term for human composting. Um, human composting came about um, after Katrina Spade, who is the creator of Recompose, there are currently, let me digress, there are currently three providers in Washington State. Okay. They're looking at legalizing it in Oregon, Colorado, and California at this moment. Okay. So Katrina Spinney kind of kicked this off. She thought, if you can compost a cow, you can compost a human. Absolutely. She was an architect, so she created all these different ideas, and they got traction. People were interested in becoming soil. So now she has her facility called Recompose. There's a gentleman in South um washington that owns herland forest which is a natural burial park that has also been they actually did the first human composting case when it was legalized but he does it outdoors you may have seen on the instagram in the big vessels um rather than being inside in a warehouse um space in the seattle area is very difficult to find there are several funeral homes that will start up in a warehouse and then grow from there so this isn't uncommon but the third provider is also in a warehouse and his name is micah truman and he attended a seminar or a presentation by katrina spade back in the infancy of her her creation and he had the business connections and the money and 
the drive to take what she did and amplify it by 10. Okay. So he's opening at the end of the month with 78 facilities. Wow. I mean, 78 in his one facility wow. as her 10. Um, but with it legalizing in other states, I definitely see whether it's her franchise or his okay. um, taking off into these other states to provide it. Now, what... What it entails is, you know, people think composting, oh, I can't put meat in my composting bin, you know, why can you do humans? Because that's what, that's all there is. It's the human laid on a bed of either naturally sourced mulch, like in the case of Herland Forest, they take thicket and different filled trees and they grind it up and make a mulch, whereas the other facilities will bring in alfalfa and hay and different things like that. So the body is laid in a bed of sawdust chips, okay. you know, alfalfa, whatever, and then they're completely nude because there's not really a fabric that will break down that quickly, but you can okay. strategically place flowers and different things if the family's wanting a viewing. Nice. You can put flowers, fruits, notes, different things in there with your person, and then they will put another layer of the sawdust mulch, you know, whatever it is, on top before they close the vessel. Yeah. With the two warehouse facilities, their turnaround time is about 60 days. You have the first one month um, where the, the body just sits in there and that's what it's going to do. They have to monitor the temperature. They have to monitor the intake okay. of water and oxygen to make sure that the temperature also is naturally doing its own thing and that things don't go anaerobic, which means you've got bad smells, yeah. different things like that. Um, and so then after the first 30 day process, by then they're able to take out unorganic material, heart stents, you know, metal implants and the bone, and then the bone is dried and pulverized and placed back into the wood chip mixture. Mm -hmm. And then it is, you know, aerated and kind of like mold around in their little cradles. They kind of rock back and forth for the last month. And literally there is nothing identifying left. Um, Micah over at Return Home was generous enough to give um, a bunch of us samples. He tested his facility with pigs. Okay. Um, so they gave us pig samples. I mean, I can show you guys on the video. Oh, That's cool. Start. That's it's cool. That's the coolest thing. Yeah. And, like, yeah, it's <laughs> so you're not taking up any space. Yeah. Um, your family can, what it yields is like a whole pickup bed full of material. Oh, really? So if your family doesn't have a, yeah, because you consider it's about a thousand pounds total when you oh. have all the different mulches and stuff yeah. in there before you lay in the body and such. Okay. So, um, yeah, it yields about 800 to a thousand pounds, um, uh, several cubic feet or in whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Pickup truck is the best thing to go with with that. Yeah. Um, so families can opt to have it brought to their land or pick it up, or they can go with a five-pound bag or a 10-pound bag um, and utilize that in their garden. And then the rest would be, Ooh, in the case of Herland Forest, it would go back into nature. That's so You get cool. to keep it? Yeah, you can keep it. That's what? so cool. <laughs> that, I'm like, what you're talking, and I was like, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. And then I was like, wait a second. <laughs> You can have it, right? That is so cool. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you're not taking up permanent land like you would with a burial. Mm -hmm. So it's really like, 
you're completing that circle of life and becoming nature again without, you know, the impact of taking up space. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, you can have, you know, just little portions or you can have the whole thing brought to you. Um, I actually have some of the big compost in my begonia. That's so cool. And does it make, like, a big difference, basically, with that, like, like with the nitrates and whatnot that's in that soil? I'm going to say yes, because I only, because I had the begonia in water for about two months for mm-hmm. it to root. It was a clipping. Okay. And then I put it in the dirt, just regular dirt. And then a week later, I added um, the pig compost to the top. And I've seen like three new sprouts come out. That's so cool. It seems very coincidental. So I'm going to say it's science. Yeah, it's there science. <laughs> it is science. <laughs> That is the coolest thing ever. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah, thanks for sharing that process. I really didn't know that much about it. No, me either. Like, I saw your post about it, and I knew that you had this, like, um, like wooden kind of container that the process starts in, and kind of saw, like, the tidbits and whatnot, but the whole process is kind of really Yeah, I didn't understand that. I didn't, Mm -hmm. and I I really didn't catch somehow I missed that you get to bring it home. (laughs) I need to do a more recent Instagram post in the next couple of days with my visit to return home um, because their vessels aren't even wood. They're metal. Oh. They look like bigger, big, you know, what bad people would put a body in in their garage. <laughs> <laughs> Chest freezers. <laughs> they kind of look like that. Um, it, it, yeah, it's really cool. I'll make a post about that coming yeah, up. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. 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 Okay. Um, and then another cool thing that I saw, because I'm just going off all of the cool things that you do. Um, so you recently got to work with someone who um, did a green burial with a mushroom shroud. How did that process go? Like, how does that work? So it was four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, to this day, you know, say the mushroom burial shroud is BS. Um, so it gets brought up again every now and then. Yeah. But what happened was I met Jay Rim Lee at a death salon um, in Houston, and she already had the mushroom barrel shroud available. It was like going through designers' work and stuff like that. She needed a test subject, um, and I told her that I could find a family that would be willing to do it, um, and then we could utilize Eloise Woods. So she contacted a researcher at the University of Texas, And then when the time came and I found a body, she flew in with the shroud. We shrouded the body together. She'd never been around a dead body before at that point. Yeah. So she's in Um, for shock. (laughs) Yes, she was. Uh, So then the next day, um, they put PVC pipe into the corner of the grave prior to burial. Okay. So they could run cameras down there, take photographs, take soil samples, um, everything to build evidence that the shroud would work. Um, and then after six months, the creator, J. Rim Lee, stopped communicating with the researcher and me and the cemeterian and ghosted us. Oh, fun. I sat down with the researcher and it failed. So there was no growth. There okay. was no betterment of the soil when the body was placed in that shroud. And um, then I was actually contacted when I put a post up on Instagram about it. Um, there was a man that they had done a documentary about choosing the shroud. He had full-on dementia and could not make decisions on his own, so they were guiding him in what to say, and the daughters found out about it after the documentary was made. Yeah. So um, 
there was a lot of conflict with that. I had people reach out to me on Instagram saying that they had bought a pet shroud and paid for it and it was never delivered. So there was a time period where nothing, all this bad stuff was happening and then all of a sudden Luke Perry died. And they put Luke Perry in a mushroom burial shroud and that renewed interest in it. Okay. His daughter ended up contacting me on Instagram after people were like, you should talk to the modern mortician or modern mortician. She knows it's fake, you know. And the first thing I told her was, you made an excellent decision for your father based on what he told you he wanted. He was shrouded and put on his land, I guess in Kentucky or Tennessee or something like that. I was like, whether the shroud suit actually made mushrooms or not isn't really important. He literally returned to nature in a place that he loved. So... In the long story short, the mushrooms don't work, and there's no proof to this day, even though they are touted by the Order of the Good Death and, you know, magazines. It's BS as far as I'm concerned. They've never shown us proof that it works, and I will stand on this hill, and I will die on it. (laughs) All right. All right. That's really interesting. Yeah, so it's basically just like a fad, right, with, like, green burials and whatnot becoming more, like, popular. That's like, oh, there's this, like, awesome option, but... It's not a thing. We know the reality of it now, so. But, yeah. It's greenwashing. I feel like it's taking advantage of grieving people. Yeah, Um, like, literally everything. the funeral industry as a whole does. You know, Mm -hmm. they'll sell you kitchen catch and this and that, and maybe it's not worth anything. They just want to make their money. Yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah. We see that a lot, too. At least least I do. You see that a lot with, like, memorial jewelry. Like, when you, like, and not every funeral home does this, but, like, uh, the funeral homes in like Ontario that I know a lot of like my clients and whatnot will go and get their memorial jewelry from. They're paying like an exorbitant amount of money for like a little ash holder, right? And I'm like, because you know ooh. that they could get it from a jewelry store for a quarter of the price. Yes, in sterling silver oh, instead of yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can get it like a handmade one from Etsy. You can go to and your support, local jewelry. yeah, someone yeah. local as opposed to a factory or mm-hmm. whatever. And then, to be honest with you, are you even getting the actual remains? Like, who knows? Yeah, because most times you ship it or like ship the remains. You're shipping it, so thing. are you even getting like your person's remains in that, you know, necklace? Yeah. Well, in the cases where you're dealing with a funeral home, they usually will get these right from their suppliers delivered, okay. and it is your funeral director that's loading those pieces before they give them back to you. Okay. So oh. it wouldn't be as concerned with that um, as I would with, like, um, taking your pet to a crematory. Are you getting your pet back? Yeah. There are a lot of things in line for funeral directors to keep us on the up and up. Um, so... I would be more concerned about pets in that in that sense. Okay, okay, good to know. All right. And what's the um, compared to like cremation, burial, green burial? Like, what's the cost kind of associated with that? Like, what would be like around? Like, what's the most versus the least? The most expensive is going to be your traditional burial with embalming casket and property. Okay. Next up. Um, I'm going to say natural burial because, again, you have to have the place where you're going to be buried. Natural burial parks can charge anywhere from 500 to 3500 for their plots, wow. um, depending on where they are and who you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you also have to possibly incorporate a funeral home to treat the body in the case where, like, if it was an autopsy, you can't bury a body with plastic. So the body would need to be brought into a funeral home's care to have the plastic bag removed, have the viscera, which is your cavity organs, replaced back into the chest and then sewn shut. Um, 
and then filing the death certificate, different things like that. Um, even if you don't have a casket and you just have a shroud, you still have the property and getting to that point to deal with. Okay. Um, flame cremation would be the next. No, no, no. Above that would be natural organic reduction. The prices on that is ranging from 3500 out in the middle of nature to uh, you've got one priced at 4500 and another at 5500 Okay. Um, so then they also want to add on their transportation costs, which mm -hmm. they didn't factor into their composting costs. Yeah. So it could go up to $6,000 for that. Okay. Then I would say plane cremation is next. Um, averaging anywhere from $500 to $3,500. Okay. Um, depending on the facility you use, I encourage people to look on Google. There are small cremation places that will do the same thing a big funeral home can do if you're not wanting to see the body and things like that. And that's where you might come into a $500 deal. Oh, nice. um, but you always want to read reviews and make sure you're not going to a place that's really hands-off. Mm -hmm. And then the next one would be... Uh, Alkaline hydrolysis. Well, okay, that one's going to be, it ranges. Okay. Um, it's going to be right around cremation as far as price. Um, the current, the funeral home that I'm with currently offers it for 2900 Okay. And our flame cremation is 2400 really good price. Yeah. That's a good price. That's a deal. <laughs> yeah. That's great. And a big difference between the water and the flame cremation, which I'm sure we'll get into here in a minute. Mm-hmm. Besides cost is the output. Um, with water cremation, you're literally, again, completing that circle of life, becoming nature. With flame cremation, it's interrupted, and you've got stuff spewing into the air and charring and things like that. Mm -hmm. But it's all personal preference. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So in terms of environmentally friendly, alkaline and would be the most, maybe? I would say the, well, yes. Right now I would say alkaline hydrolysis is most eco-friendly with uh, the way that the natural organic reduction is set up. Because when you consider that even though you're not leaving anything except mulch, the facilities that are in a warehouse, they have to truck in the material okay. to turn you into compost. Yeah. So it's sourced somewhere else you know wherever it is hopefully locally and then brought in on trucks you know multiples at a time to get it done whereas in the case of herland forest he uses you know growth on the land to create his mulch okay. so um with the water cremation um the family is getting back uh like powdered bones you could say um what's really left after cremation whether it's flame or water is bone it's calcium phosphate um, so when that's broken down after water cremation, it's like talcum powder, baby powder, things of that nature. It is pH neutral, okay. whereas flame cremation is pH negative. Uh, there was a lady on TikTok not too long ago that was crying as she was explaining how her mother would live on inside these rose bushes she was planting, and she was dumping a heavy amount of cremated remains in each hole, and I was just like, eh, because do that and since the ph is negative it will kill plant life and roses so are also very sensitive too just by the way they're a very hard plant to grow <laughs> yeah. but how do you go on someone's tiktok and go um your mom's gonna die again because you just stuck her right anyway. <laughs> and so it like starts the grief like journey oh, again yeah exactly <laughs> oh, oh no <laughs> that's terrible when you add water become concrete 
Right. When you add water, Just, say that again. When you add water to cremated remains, it mm-hmm. becomes like little blocks of concrete. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Yikes. To be fair, I just don't have any laying around, so I haven't (laughs) added water just for fun to see what would happen. Yikes. Okay. Wow. So I'm curious then, how do people get it like in tattoos and stuff? Because then if it, you add like water or ink to it, look at this. You don't really, you don't really get it in your tattoo. What is happening is the cremated remains, which are little tiny burnt bone fragments, Mm -hmm. they're sprinkled in the cup at the base, so they're touching the ink that goes into your skin okay but none of that is going into your skin or you would have rough sand like bumps under your tattoo that's what i was thinking i was just like well then that doesn't make sense so is that kind of like a tattoos artist's way of making extra money like i am tattooing you with your mom's cremated remains (laughs) well i haven't run into that yet um, I have run into a lot that won't do it because they're concerned of sanitary purposes, That's you know, because you are putting that into your body. Um, but again, it's just ash, um, ash in the sense of burnt bone, you know, things like that. And those little tiny needles really can't suck that up. So the one, the tattoo artists that I have talked to usually put it at the base of the cup and they'll draw the ink from the top of the cup. So okay. technically, technically it's there, but it's not remains are in there. But, yeah, yeah, not to the point where it would hurt you. That's good to know. Okay. That's interesting. Huh. So that's why you could make, like, blown glass, for example, with cremated remains. And they do actually yes. end up in the blown glass. Absolutely, they do. Oh, um, the diamonds. One of my favorite companies is Glass Remembrance. They have a website, glassremembrance.com. Mm-hmm. Um, you can send them a tiny little pinch of cremated remains, and you can get, like, a little galaxy pendant that's, like, they look like galaxies to me. You may think something else when you see them, but they're phenomenal. And it's almost like an iridescent shimmer. You can see the cremated remains in there when, when they react with the glass. That's different so things. I know. It's just really, really pretty. So there's mm-hmm. some other cool things you can do, for sure. With <laughs> oh, the cremated remains. Tons. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot you can do. Um, Paint, pottery. Uh, that's cool. You can put some in rings. Yeah, totally. So many things you can do with water and plain cremation leftovers so if you had say like water cremate like or or alkaline hydrolysis cremate like cremated remains would you still be able to do like stuff like put it in glass or make a diamond out of it or whatnot or is it different since like the ph level and the composure of it is different you can do everything including the diamonds because we tested i and side or the lady that started eterniva diamonds in austin um or eternova she uh, wanted to test and see if they could do it with AH remains, alkaline mm-hmm. hydrolysis remains. So I gave her some of my cat, and mm. they were able to extract carbon to create diamonds that way. So, so cool. everybody can do it. All of the different um, artists and creators can use both, except there's a company called Parting Stone. Okay. They will turn flame cremated remains into little handheld stones, like a little box of rocks. Oh. For your family. So you can divvy up the rocks. You can, you know, have something tangible to hold, but they haven't figured out how to make it work with the water cremation remains yet. Okay. Cool. But they're working. So then also speaking of cool things that you can do with ashes that we didn't touch on yet, you did a post on Instagram about like a geode, um, oh gosh, what did you call it? A geode like creation that you can like make from like cremated remains. Like that was so cool. Like how does that work? Um, barium. 
Okay. They uh, mix some cremated remains with some barium, and they grow the different um, geometrical shapes in, in a half circle. Um, we had an example of one here at the funeral home, and one of the other directors dropped it on the ground. So I'm not exactly quick to recommend that one anymore to families because I've seen how it just fractures and falls to pieces. Oh, damn. Um, but if you have like a curio cabinet and people aren't going to be handling it, it is a beautiful option. And it is also from glassremembrance.com. Cool. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, I'll keep that definitely Glass in mind. Remembrance. Yes. I think I did write that down. Yes, you okay. did. Cool. Okay. And yeah. I like that too. Like, you know, I think about like when, when Mr. Bun crosses the rainbow rabbit. bridge, <laughs> Mr. Bun being the rabbit, um, I've already, because I'm a morbid fuck, I'm like, what am I going to do with him? <laughs> And the kids I babysit are like, stuff them. <laughs> I'm like, no, I won't do that. <laughs> but I guess I could. <laughs> it's like human embalming. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Taxidermy, human embalming, all the same thing. Yeah. It is. It absolutely is. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of that, I think I did have a um, uh, question about pet deaths. So can you walk us through basically your options and whatnot that you have when you have a loved pet that passes So on. when Mr. Bun crosses the Rainbow Bridge, <laughs> what are my options? <laughs> All right, well, I will tell you that your veterinary staff is not the people to be asking necessarily for this information. Okay. And I'll tell you why. A lot of the times they have contracts and agreements with bulk cremation providers um, where they do communal cremations um, and once your your sweet baby has passed, they'll throw them in a purple bag and throw them in the freezer, so they may be in all kinds of weird positions, mm-hmm. and then they're put into the machine and cremated. Um, from personal experience, now that may not be every vet, but from okay. personal experience, I would recommend families, people, do their research ahead of time, find out what's in your area. Here in Washington, we have a company called Rooted, which does pet pet composting, Ooh. so you can get your Rebecca's soil. Okay. Yeah. There are taxidermists, um, different uh, people that will, like, do preservations of, like, an ear or, like, a paw. You know, if you wanted a lucky rabbit's foot forever of your sweet baby. Um, I have one of my cats. um, She was initially naturally buried, and then two years later I dug her up. Got the skeleton, and the skeleton's been articulated and is in a glass dome. Yeah, so there's that. So you've got the water cremation and the flame cremation and sometimes pet cemeteries. Okay. Um, if you're concerned about moving in the future and you don't want the next people that own your property to dig it up and build a swimming pool, then you may consider disinterring the animal yourself and taking it to the next location or maybe doing water cremation where you can take it around or flame cremation where you're taking the remains around. Okay. But not every place has all of these options it's really going to depend on where you are so it's good to do your research ahead of time and if you're wanting water cremation and they don't offer it in your area um i've talked to the ladies at resting waters before they're here in seattle they do pet water cremation and um they have accepted pets like shipped on dry ice or gel packs in the mail to have them water cremated and have them go home because the families didn't want flame cremation. Okay. 
That's so really nice. nice, though, right? That I have like that service that's open, basically, so that way you can take your pet with you. So if so, if Mr. Bun dies tomorrow, and I need a minute to think about my options because I haven't had this conversation with you, what's how do you keep him preserved? Do you put him in the freezer? Yep. Okay. Put him in the freezer, okay. and then yeah. you and then he'll stay the exact same. Yeah, you want to tuck them up like they're sleeping so their arms aren't, like, splayed out. Because once they're fixed in rigor, with pets, it's really hard to break the rigor out without damaging them. Okay. With humans, you can just give them a massage, flex their arms and legs, and bend them a lot, and it'll break out. Um, animals are a little bit... Tougher? More. you got to be gentler with them. Okay. So okay. I would say put them in a sleeping position before you place them in the freezer. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a friend that had a toucan in her freezer for two years because she was waiting for the right time to taxidermy the toucan. Stop! <laughs> 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 That's amazing! Oh my gosh! So when her kids went to get dinner, they'd have to like dig past the toucan <laughs> to get to the chicken nuggies. <laughs> They're like, just looking for some ice cream. Sorry, Sam, the toucan. <laughs> just kidding. That's really, but that I feel like is, yeah, I feel like I would do it. I know you would. I, I could see you putting him in like a special little blanket and then having like a special spot in your freezer and being like, that's the bun spot. That's the bun spot. <laughs> I mean, he has a whole shelf in the freezer. <laughs> okay. Aww. But would you do that with Giddy? Oh, absolutely. Like I've got a dog, so I've got a little Shih Tzu. Um, and I absolutely would. Like I would probably hold on. To, I'm, I'm have a hard time letting things go um but i would probably hold on to him until i knew that i had the right option and whatnot moving forward but him. hopefully not in your arms because he's gonna smell no bad. but i mean i would freeze him basically until i would and i would probably do the uh pet composting thing i think now that that's I know super about cool it, yeah right like that's so they cool. accept mail-in orders <laughs> I well, bet they would. Well, it wouldn't cool. hurt to check. Wouldn't well, because we're from Ontario. We're from Canada. So, like, that, that's oh, a little bit of a trek. Yeah, it's a bit of a trek. We're going to have a hard time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if the border, the border, but, like, they all, every time I send things to America, they, like, investigate. They're like, stupid like, Canadians. <laughs> what are they got in here? And, like, I just feel like they'd be opening it and they'd see, like, Mr. Bun. Bun. <laughs> His, like, ear would fall out or something. They'd be like, ah! I'm Return sure to sender. Yeah. But Sorry. There be some involved. Yes. <laughs> There's gotta be a way to do it. Yeah, yeah. Because well, as far as from our research, we don't have a lot of the same facilities and whatnot that do like the. I mean, I think we have like one facility in all of Ontario that does like um, alkaline hydrolysis. Yeah, it's um, not. Um, it and we have three. Sorry to interrupt you, but we have like three. Um, like. I guess cemeteries that do like an an organ in Ontario in Ontario yes. that do green burials. There's right? more so in other provinces, and but. we're a huge province, so like that's that's a little yeah. But I mean, it's cool to hear about, about all the different processes and whatnot, and hopefully Canada will get on board. Yeah, for sure. Soon, right? All right. So, yeah. Okay. So actually, speaking of um, cremations, um, when a family wants to be involved and kind of see like a cremation um, or see their fam their family member, I guess pass into the um what's an eloquent way of i was gonna say um the a uh, retort. Yeah, uh, pardon me retort retort there we go okay ha, ha, ha. um thank you um so how do you um make the families feel more at ease when that process is happening because i know a lot of different cultures and whatnot they see that through to the end right so right well where i'm working right now um we serve uh, a lot of the Asian community of Seattle and so they are very hands-on with their ceremonies and witnessing cremations mm-hmm. um, prior to that you know a lot of funeral homes for some reason don't tell you you have the option to witness cremation um, but if you 
ask, you can okay. in many, many cases. Um, witnessing the cremation, you would be there at the retort. They would have um, other bodies put away. Typically, when the public is not around, they've got the next body ready and queued up to go. It's a, okay. about a two to four hour process per body. Um, so what they would do is they would let you see the decedent in the cremation box. And every decedent has to go in a box to be cremated because when you think about it, if you take your hand and you put it down on a table and you want to keep the legs, like here's the head, and you want to keep the legs and the arms together when you push it in, if you put your hands on the table, your fingers spread apart yeah. because of the traction. So we don't want that. When we're putting a body in, we don't want to stuff them into the retort. Mm -hmm. They need something to glide them in. Okay. Um, and you can use a baking sheet, so we use cardboard boxes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe they should come up with that because I feel like, and I've I've seen that some some folks the they're going in a like ten thousand dollar box. Some are I've going in a cardboard box, too. but some are going in that like ten thousand dollar box, and I'm like, why? <laughs> Get the baking sheets. Totally <laughs> cultural. Yeah. Um, like with some of the Vietnamese families that we're serving here that buy expensive wooden caskets, um, they will also put traveling clothes in the base of the casket for the person That's or a cool. pearl in their cheek or a gold coin in their mouth for the afterlife. Um, and they see that as setting them up for their next life. So, I mean, cool. while it's heartbreaking to, to know that, you know, somebody burned that much money, um, it gives them peace sometimes. Yeah. So kind of look at it like that too. Um, but we give families the option to like push the final button. They can help us push the box or the casket into the retort and then they'll see the door close and start the button. And that usually ends the service because otherwise you're just going to stand there for four hours. Four and hours wait for wait. Yeah. <laughs> and there's no, yeah. like, it's not like an oven you can't see inside, right? Now, there are some crematory retorts, and I actually have a TikTok video that shows this. There's a little window in the doors that come down, and it's a glass window, so you can peek in there and see what's going on. And so I have a little bit of footage of that. All you can see is flames. Um, with the machines that don't have that option, if you need to check it through the process, you'll literally raise the door about three inches. Okay. And you want to make sure that they don't have a pacemaker because those explode. And if you're standing there when the door opens, boom. not so good. Yeah, yikes. <laughs> That's a big boom. Yeah. So you check it about halfway through. And the first time I saw a flaming skull, I was like, oh, my gosh, death care is so metal. <laughs> because it was exactly as you would imagine it. The skull was on fire. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, I am the coolest human ever. <laughs> Yeah. Or the most fucked up. I don't know. <laughs> Either <laughs> I'm not sure yet. That's wow. so cool. That is really, really cool. Okay. okay. So you get to press the button if you want. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All That's right. so cool. Okay. Um, so I want to get a little bit more into some green burial um, talk and whatnot. So um, we had kind of said that you have a couple different options when it comes to like a green burial but if say somebody wants to get like naturally buried in a shroud in a um, cemetery that allows for green burial how do you mark their resting place like is it like you'd think it's more eco like eco-friendly and eco-conscious and whatnot so do they have the big old gravestone or is it something different okay so hybrid cemeteries which are a mixture of traditional and natural burial do 
whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, those are cemeteries that are just trying to capture the green business, and they'll open up a separate section. But in my experience, the real natural burial parks want something flat, like a flagstone marker that okay. blends into nature. Yeah. Uh, for example, Eloise Woods and Herlin Forest. Eloise Woods is in Texas. It's the one I worked with out in Austin. Okay. Um, it is like it's got trails, nature trails you can walk on, different sections of the cemetery. You cannot tell it's a cemetery until you walk up on a flat flagstone marker with somebody's name engraved on it. That's cool. Um, there's these little silver coins at Herland Forest and Eloise Woods um, that go on each of the four corners of the grave spot. Okay. And those numbers are logged into, like, a land plotting thing. With Eloise Woods, she would have, like, six feet tall pieces of rebar driven into the ground where only, like, a foot stuck up. And then it would have um, on that, like, the GPS coordinates. So... If for some reason, like, the marking trees blew down in a tornado, you always have that solid thing there to designate the GPS coordinates in order to, you know, figure out where each body is buried. That's kind of cool. They plot them out and they register it with, like, the county. Mm -hmm. But why do they need to? Like, if it's going to decompose and let's say, I don't know, what is it for a green burial? What would it be, like a year it's completely decomposed. That your body is completely decomposed. Six months to a year, I would guess. Yeah, so if that's the case, then why do you need to mark it? Um, a lot of families want kind of an everlasting tribute to their person, a place to visit. That's the most cases that I see. Do they know um, that in less than 100 years, nobody's going to know that that person existed? Hell yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. I know that. And many of us know that. But a lot of people hold on to something tangible about death. Um, yeah. That's why we have the big giant cemeteries with mausoleums in them where people pickle their loved one and stick <laughs> them in a drawer just so they can go back and stare at a plaque where their person is rotting on the other side. Yeah. I don't care how good you were embalmed, you will decay. Yes. And it is not pretty. And it's, not at yeah, all. I've heard. That's why you see like ooze coming out of some of those mausoleums. Do you actually? I didn't know that. Have go you? to a mausoleum and look at the bottom for staining. If you ever want to be in a mausoleum, you better be at the top. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, I would have never even think about that. that. Wouldn't have even think, thought of that. You're getting like body drips on you. You're oh, getting body drips. <laughs> Good to know. Okay, but ta- speaking of gross, we have a gross question. <laughs> well, go for it. Okay, so I have this like weird thing with embalming body preparation, okay? Like, I've got some sort of weird fixation on it because I'm like, why? (laughs) So it's more just like I just don't, I can't understand why people want that especially how intrusive it is to to essentially be embalmed like just the 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 process of being embalmed is just like cut and plug and filled fill and and (laughs) so like I'm just like man just like roll me into like some dirt like I I, like so it's hard I try to empathize with people and my own family so like I'm not anyone who's listening that's like I want to be fine (laughs) that's fine all the power to you I just am trying to understand so, do you plug the butt? I was just going to ask, are you getting to the butt plug question? <laughs> like, do you, because I heard that some people use, like, a twist and plug. Some people just plug. Some people use cotton. Some people sew it. What do you do? Some people use, like, adult diapers. Yes. Yes. We use adult diapers here <laughs> um, for our embalmed clients that 
opt for, you know, embalming and stuff. The plastic butt plug screws are very antiquated. I typically see old white men funeral directors using those to scare interns. Really? Um, Yes. Just like I've seen old men embalmers that will sew the nipples of the deceased together, women, to keep their breasts up. Um, When you can use duct tape instead or cotton or fabric, they will nipple tie them to keep their breasts from going under the armpits. So that's how I see the whole um, AV plug, which is anal vaginal plug. I don't feel like it's necessary because we have the ability of putting other things up there like cotton. I've never heard of somebody sewing a butthole shut. (laughs) But I'm, I'm sure some weirdo has tried it at some point and it's probably used to this day at that funeral but it's um, someone's practice somewhere (laughs) yeah yeah for sure but honestly most of the time unless they had like some kind of cancer in that area you're not gonna have a spewing butthole the whole time you know you're waiting for a funeral they'll get all that done as you're embalming them flexing their legs and, and pushing on their abdomen and by the time you give them a bath at the end the problem resolved itself so we usually put on adult diapers just as a precaution should there be any embalming fluid leakage. Okay. Um, because not only are they raising the vessels to inject the embalming fluid, but they take this long hollow needle towards the end of the process and stab it two inches over and two inches up from your navel to puncture all of your internal organs and suck out the fluids there. You have to hit the heart, the lungs the bladder you can tell by the color that you're getting out you know it's frothy coming from the lungs it's deep dark red coming from the heart um and then you know it looks like chewed up food when you're hitting the 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 intestines and things so damn so not a butt plug not a not a butt plug person i will forever ask anyone in death care do you use a butt plug um specifically in the room that room not your room (laughs) with the disease (laughs) just to clarify (laughs) so then then actually adding on to that what are some antiquated like embalming tricks that are like no longer really used anymore aside from like the 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 titty thing and the butt (laughs) Yeah, the titty thing. Um, that's that's really hard. I think those two are the most um, not utilized anymore. Okay. Um, and then, um, yeah, most of the other tips and tricks are actually beneficial and useful. Cool. Okay. Like the eye torture tool thingies? Those are used. Those are and, still and used. the reason why... Um, don't necessarily have to have the spikes I don't think but it keeps the eyelid from raising when it's got something to move against um we place those there because after death your eyes can dehydrate and actually sink in so it gives roundness underneath the closed eye okay great but yeah we use those but there's a lot of cotton that's what I'm understanding like cotton cotton going in all the other orifices yeah right that down the nasal cavity they will puncture um through the cartilage in here to put cotton in there so you don't have purge that comes out of the mouth huh i haven't heard that so it doesn't go in your do you sew the mouth shut how do you keep a mouth shut i don't think we've asked anyone that no we haven't how do you keep a mouth shut okay so they're naturally going to open on their own um so what we use is um an injector needle is what it's called and it looks like a little handheld stapling device but it's got like a tiny pick like a 
tack on the end of it that's made of metal and then a metal string so you anchor that in the machine and like a little gun you hold it up to the top of the gums and you hammer it in there like once it goes boom so it like shoots it in there and you got a wire hanging off the top of their mouth okay and then you do it on the other side on the bottom so kind of like (laughs) it's a desert straight yeah and you shoot one in there then you wire the two wires together in the center of the mouth snip the excess and tuck the wire between the teeth And that actually holds up the jaw, too? Well, because you're going from here to here, right? So they're, like, twisting it basically. in the bone, in the bone. That's cool. To shut the mouth set. Now, the other way is to take ligature, which is the string we sew up embalmings with, and a hooked needle, and you'll go under the lip, come out one nasal cavity, go through the septum in the center, go back down the other nasal hole into the upper lip, Yep. And then grab like down the in there. Muscle. Yeah. Okay. Right there at your chin. You have to dig deep in there and so the ligature goes in there. And then you bring it back up and you tie the mouth shut. Okay. Question so a mouth ma- wait, wait. <laughs> a mouth never stays shut on its own, ever, ever? Maybe ten percent of the time. Okay. Okay. Sorry, go on. <laughs> Question with that. Okay. Um, so when you do like the, say like the suture like method to keep the jaw shut, do you find that like there, you can see like, and then after you're kind of going in and you like stuff the lips with cotton and then you sew the lips shut, right? Do you see that, um, like the sutures basically on the lips or do you, with that method? No. We don't sew lips shut. Okay. Nobody sews lips shut. That's only in horror movies. Really? Um, So they'll... Okay, but what you're describing so, kind of sounds horror movie-esque also. So, like, <laughs> Well, the only reason I say that is because when um, my stepdad died about 12 years ago, I, like, he had sutures to his lips and he had sutures to his eye, and you could see them. Like, oh, like, a, like, a, like a flesh-toned, like, um, thing, but he had been touched a lot throughout his, um, like, his, we had, like, a big Catholic um, like yeah, funeral yeah, and whatnot, yeah. and my grandmother kept, like, touching his face. So I'm thinking that's probably a big part of it, but you could see the the sutures to, like he had sutures to his eyes and sutures to his lips, and that kind of stuck with me. So I was like, is that like a bad embalming process? Like somebody was not very good at it, or is that just because like his face probably was like touched a lot? No, I honestly have never heard of anybody doing that. And I'm almost wondering if you were seeing like it breaking away with super glue back there maybe. we we will super glue lips and eyes shut okay and maybe if there's some separation you might see what looks like stitches okay um if we did that that may be a canada thing <laughs> it might I, be. <laughs> I don't think it yeah. is though no 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 like, from but from directors i've talked to it's really not and that's why when you told me that i was a bit surprised yeah i'm thinking it might be super glue too Sometimes super glue um, will almost even, like, if it's poorly done, will on an eyelid will almost look like the person's crying a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. it'll look like water. And I've yeah. worked with kids before who are like, <laughs> well, to be honest, my mom's crying. And I'm like, nah, your mom's dead. She ain't crying. Because <laughs> um, well, that's the only, like, um, funeral service where I've seen that happen. Like, any other one that I've been to, like, you don't, I've never seen that. It was just him. And I was like, thinking i'm like is it the embalmer did either a really bad job or is because my grandma was like touching his face like i don't know but anyway she could have been drying out his tissues which would cause them to separate which means maybe whatever um tacky substance they were using might have looked like that okay 
again, it could have been dental floss or something like that. So, but I don't know. But it's not That's common. Not my well, and I no. also, it was like a little, like a small, like a teeny tiny small town, like a funeral home, oh. which I don't know makes a difference or whatever, but like, well, like, yeah, because that's where you get all the weird, creepy stuff happening <laughs> in small towns where they don't learn new things. So, oh, yeah, that's maybe. True. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that and like the funeral home that's that was in that's in my hometown, like has been there for freaking ever. And like this, it's been the same staff that have kind of been like they're still are there doing doing their thing. Like, 12 years later. Yeah. But, I mean, whatever. But still. Um, <laughs> okay, anyways. Anyways. <laughs> okay, so that's really interesting, though, about the mouth. Because I wasn't sure how you kept the jaw Like, jaw shot. shots. Like, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Okay. All right. So, then moving right along. Um, oh, okay. So, then also with... You had, like, a TikTok um, debunking if someone has implants in their body. Like, say somebody had dyes and they've got, like, boob implants... Do you touch them, or do they just stay, or like how? What kind of happens with that? They stay. Now, I have heard some crematory retorts will require silicone breast implants to be removed because they leave a mess. Okay. But in my entire career, I have never removed breast implants from a woman for cremation or burial. Okay. Even natural burial. We are not going to be that invasive. They go in with the metal implants and breast implants. That's, I mean, unless the family says, yes, please remove all of this stuff from my person. It's not something we're going to do. Now, plastics that have been put in by, like, medical professionals, like the viscera bag, different things like that, we're Mm going to get it off. We're Mm going to get it out and fix it. Okay. But I've been in this a while, and I've never cut out anybody's implants. I've seen them after water cremation. They look brand new. Really? Really? So they survive yes. water cremation? Yes. Everything looks brand new after water cremation. It's crazy. Even penile implants. You've seen a penile implant after after water? After flame and water. Now, flame, the metal ones, look like little rods. Okay. And then um, there's some... There's either rods or, like, these jelly inserts that last after water cremation, too. Huh. Those are always the funnier ones because they seem to be more rare. Okay. All right. I was going to say, I don't think between. I've heard of anyone in my life so far who's had a penile implant, but maybe people just don't go around, like, boasting about it. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> probably don't talk about it. <laughs> they probably don't talk about it. They're like, this is natural. <laughs> it's all me, baby. It's all me. And then the crematorium <laughs> is like, uh-uh. <laughs> I, I, like, it's like, it's almost as if morticians and people who operate, uh, retorts and all of that, like, you guys really know the secrets. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I see it. Yeah. Like, if you thought your mom knew or your husband knew or your friend, no. Yeah. Your mortician yeah. knows. Your mortician knows. Yeah. <laughs> they, they know that skanky tattoo. They found it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I see a lot of those. Yeah. Oh, speaking of which, what's the weirdest tattoo you've ever found on someone when you're doing, like, their death care, like, service? weirdest tattoo Mm -hmm. okay this guy had i pretty much think he was in the navy at some point okay um he had a tattoo of a lady bent over spreading her vaginal cavity um yeah where was it on his his body on his chest okay that's a choice that's a choice (laughs) that is a choice i mean that was the strangest and was he like old was he super old yeah, he was. He had probably been in like the Korean Wars. I don't know. He he was probably in his eighties. 
Damn. I mean, like I like I act as if people right now who have like eyeball tattoos will not be eighty <laughs> at some point, and we will all think, "Why did you do that?" But like, you know, cool. But choices, yeah. choices it doesn't matter whatever age. Choices, you are. choices, yeah. <laughs> choices. All right. Jesus. Well, that was super interesting. That's cool. And also, piercings would they come out like Ooh, that's a yeah question. about the like after water or um, flame. Would they, would you, like, be brushing them out? <laughs> yeah, honestly, yes. Um, they get removed before the cremulation process, or the medical examiner will remove facial piercings, genital piercings, nipple piercings, and put them in a bag of property to give to you. Um, anything else, we will leave it unless the family tells us they want it back right away. If okay. it's something I can't do, then we bust out the pliers if it's something i'm not comfortable doing then we'll ask the family to bring in a professional um but that that really only applies so far to like dental stuff people seem to think that the gold in their teeth is actually worth something but it's not so anytime somebody wants us to pull teeth we're like you're gonna have to call your dentist and i've never to this day had a dentist come to my funeral home and pull people's teeth because they won't do it they explain to them that it's not worth money yeah. yeah Well, yeah. I, I'm I'm a goldsmith. I work as like in a jewelry um, like store, and we've literally like we buy and sell gold and whatnot. And we've literally had people bring like their gold teeth with the tooth still in the tooth, Ew, really? being like, "Oh, hey, like, um, what can I get for this?" And we're like, "Nothing." You guys won't yeah. even give them no, scrap for it. No, well, because it's got a tooth in it. I know, but like, like you can melt it. And off, it's maybe. mixed with other things mm-hmm. too, like. Mm-hmm. I forget the different chemical combo or whatever, but yeah, it's not pure gold. No, anymore. it's not. So like the um, the mixture. Sorry, like I'm trying to find the word. Um, but anyway, so like the um, the mixture of gold in order to be put over your tooth. It's like people are like, oh, it's like 24 karat gold. I'm like, no, it's actually like nine karat gold. But anyway, so <laughs> interesting. Yeah. yeah, but I, it has to be hard. You're chewing with it, right? And if it's soft, that's uh-huh. gonna just like mal to your tooth. Anyway. My rant for the day. That's interesting. (laughs) Um, I'm just, like, thinking, like, if you got, like, your nips pierced, or if you got, like, your Fresneris pierced, and your, like, mom didn't know about it, or your dad is, like, cremating you, like, hopefully that's not the case, but would you just, like, just brush it into the garbage, or are you, like, taking it out, putting it in a plastic bag, and saying, here you go, mom, here's your daughter's nipple piercings? Um, I typically won't say where they came from. I'll say your person yeah. had some piercings. Do you want them back? Um, and then if they ask me where, I'll divert and say, I need to ask our crematory operator. And then usually they never ask me again. That's, That's only smart. happened a couple times, though. Um, <laughs> most of the time they know, which is strange. It's usually the partner that's telling yeah. me. These are where they are. Um, in cases of parents, I can't think that I've had anything like that so you try to take them out beforehand and if you can't or whatever you would just brush them into a bag after yeah okay cool interesting all All right right. not that i have anything weird but i mean yet yet (laughs) it's on the agenda for you know another day (laughs) okay i think we've got one more where are we Oh, um, so then kind of like the obligatory question, considering we're in the middle of a pandemic. Um, so how, ha- in your opinion, has COVID affected like the death care industry and especially in the death care industries that you work in? <laughs> I think it caught a lot of them off guard because they weren't being progressive. They were not offering Zoom. They were not doing services outside. Yeah. Um, I think it forced 
them to move into the 21st century in many cases. And many of them are handling it very well. In the case where where I work right now, I moved mid-pandemic to this city and to this funeral home. They hadn't even done their first Zoom funeral. Like, yeah. And so I've incorporated that. Now we've got digital TVs in the chapel, thanks to, you know, one of our higher-ups. More progressive things are happening, but... I feel like it took the pandemic to get it there. Okay. Um, I have noticed a lot of delayed grief for families because of the pandemic, because they can't have the support of their community necessarily. Like here in Washington, we're in phase three, which means we can go out in groups of similarly vaccinated people or, you know, go to restaurants with a certain limit. But we're going to go back to phase two tomorrow oh, really? um, because we went 45 days without a COVID death at our funeral home. And then oh. two weeks ago, we had three in the same day. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So it's back. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're going to be writing this out. I'm confident for the remainder of this year, if yeah. not going into 2022. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's not good times here in yeah, Ontario. No. We are like in a full lockdown right yeah, now. Pretty much. Anyways. Anyways. Yeah. So like and. I can only imagine like the influx of calls and whatnot too that you've probably gotten from your funeral home considering the amount of people that in your area especially because you've seen the pandemic both in texas and in washington like the volume of of calls that you're getting and especially in the highs and the lows of the pandemic and that's got to be a lot of stress so yeah it is Um, there were times in texas where our crematory in san antonio was backed out four weeks for cremation and they had three machines operating from eight to five and they could do three a day so um i called a place in arlington texas which was a two-hour drive the other direction uh, to utilize their crematory to make sure my families were getting their loved ones back and because it was different parts of texas that were experiencing heavy volume at different times like right now la and california is overwhelmed we had a body that we needed to get shipped out of la and none of the local funeral homes could take it because they were full Wow. In Hawaii, there's a one-month wait for burial right now. Yeah. it's Here right now, we're okay, but there have been parts of the country, just like New York at the beginning of this pandemic, where they were racing to find options. India right now. Yeah, India's really bad right now. So bad. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So it, it increased the death, despite what some of our politicians say. Um yeah all right i don't know like i went off on a tangent no no that's exactly what i was asking like i wanted to ask you right just kind of how it a it affected you and b like because you work industry the industry because you work in in different facets and whatnot of death care so you see it from all angles right so and i totally agree with the bereavement piece too like yeah and i think people feel that they're holding on for something they're holding on for that big celebration of life they want to have they're holding on for that the burial so it's like this delayed like oh well it's not completed yet it's not the chapter's not closed yet because I still have to bury this person or Mm -hmm. I still have to have a funeral for this person and it's not happening until eight months after the person dies so that's you don't get any like real closure Mm -hmm. I'd feel right so yeah for sure yeah that's tough yeah Okay. Well, on that light note. <laughs> it has been so informative to yeah. chat with you. You're so interesting. And this is just, this has just been really fun. Yeah. I feel like I've learned a lot. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, thank you so much for answering all of our questions, especially about like green burial like stuff, because both Dee and I are very huge like green burial advocates and whatnot. And the more we learn, the more we're like, whoa, that 
it's just there's so many so options and I think you know our our job is to try to educate the boomers about the <laughs> options and it's so I feel public too right because a lot of people even our age didn't know about all of their yeah burial options yeah. right so mostly the boomers though a lot of the boomers a yep. lot of the boomers you know <laughs> like it's like it's not it's not as taboo as like why why is this a taboo topic right mm-hmm. so this is this is our jam and we're super it's been really awesome to, to chat, chat with you. you. And um, how can people find you? How yeah. can people get in touch with you, show you show out, your, like, your show platforms yourself out, out and whatnot? <laughs> TheModernMortician.com um, will guide you to my Facebook, my Instagram. I need to get a link up there for TikTok. But the Instagram and TikTok are mod underscore mortician. Okay. Um, yeah. The Instagram is really popping right now. I'm trying to learn to get better at TikTok, but as I have aged, I don't like the way that I look in the camera as much, so I can't really capitalize on the benefits of TikTok because I'm not spicy, as you say. <laughs> well, you look great to us. Yes. So. Not sex appeal. <laughs> spicy. You are ready. Yeah. Spicy. You're spicy. Okay, amazing. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Melissa, for chatting with us and talking with us. We really appreciate you taking the time out to teach us, basically, things. Teach us the things. Teach us all the things. So, So, yeah, so you can find us, basically, at uh, lapetitemortpod at uh, gmail.com if you've got any questions, concerns, stories that you want told. Shout it out. Let us know. You can also find us on Instagram at La Petite Mort Pod and on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and a variety of other streaming services at La Petite Mort Pod or just La Petite Mort, actually, because I changed it quick recently because our logo. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and until next time, when in doubt, lube it out and write a will. Bye. Okay. Ooh, ah, button. Ah. <laughs>